Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have our good friend, Joel Fetter from Motor Authority, here with us again this month. It's great to have you here. What's up, guys? So we've got some good news for you guys, but I want to dig in a little bit to uh, on Joel a little bit. Because we haven't talked about Mr. Who Fetter. Who is Joel Fetter? Who is this, Joel this Fetter? This is a black nebulous hole we're going down. <laughs> Who is Joel Fetter and why do we care? <laughs> oh, wow. That's like... We don't have time for that. <laughs> this podcast is long enough for that. Uh, before we get into that, though, why don't you run down one of our sponsors? Yeah, let's take a quick break to tell you about Renline. They've partnered with us, as you know, to offer a great discount to our listeners. And Chris, you actually just installed some Renline product yourself on I your did. car. I did. I got the, uh, the hood struts. Right, which is a really cool product. They're mechanical. I think that's kind of like the old 356 was. And it would you basically, you push the hood up. Right. And it locks into place, and then you let the hood down, and it sets on a catch. Exactly. And it rotates. So there's something in there that's rotating. So Did the 356 rotate like that as no, well? No, no. It's, it's not It's like the, my old MG I had where it was yeah. like a, a strut that just The only catched. problem is, is that the hood is also really heavy. So when you open it up and it goes down again, you have to be aware that you don't want to lose any fingers or drop it or <laughs> break your hood latch or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I suppose not. Um, but as with those hood struts and everything else, they're extremely high quality, beautifully machined, and as you know Renline designs performance products not only for Porsche but also for BMW, Mini, Audi and others. So be sure to check those guys out at Renline.com and use the code OVERCREST to get 5% off your next order along with free shipping on orders over $250. So Joel looks a little bit like Charlie Brown right now so I'm going to quick fix the oh no it's the cord in front of his head hold on. <laughs> Did we think he was having a bad uh, hair day? Or? It's all falling out. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> if we do this podcast long enough, I keep coming on here. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> it's just start It'll be the progression. We're all just going to get fatter and balder. There should be a time lapse. All right. Anyway, so right uh, what other cars have you owned, Joel? Because right now you have what? Right now, uh, I have a 1990 300ZX Z32 Nissan sitting in my garage. And where did this car come from? So it's a special car. You know the story. Uh, it was my Uncle Robert's, and okay. he bought it in 1990. He had multiple Zs before that. And I rode around the back. It's a 2 plus 2 because he mm -hmm. used it to basically drive from Far North Dakota to our lake cottage 45 minutes in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota on the weekends. And I rode around the back as a kid. We go down to the store in the back in the 2 plus 2, get my grandmother newspaper. He'd get whatever, and I ride back. He died in cancer in 97, and the car sat for 11 years in storage, and then uh, my dad uh, bought it for my aunt in 2008 or 9 or something like that, and we did a few things. It needed you know, this or that, mm -hmm. and uh, now it lives in my garage. It's got 59,000 original miles on it. And, wow. Uh, You've actually been putting some miles on it this summer. It makes me happy. I put 81 miles on it in one night a couple. So last year, <laughs> so Chris says that because last year I did 275 miles the whole summer. The whole year, then. Well, well, hang on. It only goes out in summer, right? Summer right. is all so, the time. But, yeah, but like, right. so it's literally only 200-some miles in a year. Last year, yes. Uh, in 2018. Uh, dude, work, travel, going to the lake, whatever. Uh, so this year, I've been doing a lot better. I've done over 350 this summer already. Okay. Right on. Uh, so, yeah. It's, so what, my favorite thing is actually what you call this car. What's this car called? So it literally is called... Unc Z. The plates say Unc Z. The, the mats say Unc Z. It's un so Uncle Robert was a uh, he was a lawyer. Okay. He fought for the for people that needed fighting for. He was a really 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 good guy, and he was larger than life. And, and the stories I could tell you are very inappropriate. He's a larger than life guy, and there was a zero f's kind of mentality. You don't mess with Robert Fetter, and he all the grandchildren and nieces and nephews. He was Unc U N C K. Gotcha. So the license plate say Unc Z. 
the Matt Seung Z. I, I don't view myself. Oh, they're as custom a, mats too. Yeah, and and I don't view myself. Well, hang on, we did those, not him. Okay. And, and I don't feel all of this was us. And yeah. I don't feel his original toolkit with with his pack of cards in the back. And I don't feel like my dad and I own the car. I feel like we're more the caretakers of the car. Right. Um, I like that. So it's it's a pretty special car. It, when we first got it, it didn't matter rain, shine. I drove it everywhere. And then it became, it started, I drove it at my wedding. I could have got any press car or whatever, but I drove it at my wedding because that was how Uncle was there. And now today, it's become this thing where, unfortunately, I've made it into this thing. And, and, and I'm terrified <laughs> to drive it in traffic if someone yeah. really, You can buy another 300ZX. You can't buy Unk's 300ZX. So sure. I'm terrified. Well, it's blue on blue, which it is, is blue on blue. Rare. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it will be. I saw thing. another one was for sale. So there's, there's <laughs> my dad has another brother <laughs> and he has a son and he bought two more 300ZX after all this and restored them. They're perfect and dumped a lot of money in them. And that, so we, the Fetters have three blue on blue 300ZXs. Oh, no kidding. They're all the same blue? 100%. They're all 1990s. Wow. They're duplicate cars. And only one's Unks. And so my cousin ended up two years ago calling me and saying, I'm, I'm ready to sell it. And yeah. so I sold it to a friend at the time that worked in Nissan, but no longer works in Nissan. Mm-hmm. And he is now selling that car. Uh, and we're trying to keep it in within my network of people that I know sure. uh, to, to keep it within my life kind of thing. Um, because of uh, he's picking up another Z. And uh, we're not going to go into that right now. But uh, what when you say another Z? Unc Z is not leaving anywhere. Don't worry. It's not, <laughs> not. It's not a thing. He's picking up another three hundred ZX. Oh, another three hundred ZX. ZX. Okay. Yes. Um. So so and so there. Yes. We our family had three. Uh. There is still three duplicate cars. Um. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, to answer your other question, currently the other car in my garage is my wife's daily driver, which is a twenty fifteen Jeep Grand Cherokee. High altitude with a Hemi V8. Wait, what does the high altitude get you? Does it have an extra math sensor? Or so yeah. the high altitude is basically, uh, it's a trim line. It's a blackout package. So it's a fully loaded Summit. And then they do black wheels, black smoke, black trim, chrome. She thought it looked really cool with white. So the car is white. My question is, how does more black things make it higher well, altitude? No, it's because, Chris, when you're at oxygen deprivation level, you kind of get blacked out, exactly. right? yeah. <laughs> I guess that that might be. So, what is what is your of all the cars you've ever owned? What is your um, besides the Z? Besides the Z, Z is the whole thing. What is your f- most favorite E34 car? E34 M5. Okay, why did you sell that car? <laughs> there's actually a story about that on Motor Authority, and then there's a story about why I didn't buy it back when I had the opportunity. And do you feel Both like you should have bought it back? Now, in hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course, it is. It always is. But what is it? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Why did you Look, love that car? What was good about that I car? Why I love that car? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. It all started out with me wanting to buy a E39, and then I went and moved to an E28, and I settled on an E34 as the Goldilocks for me, personally. Hmm. I felt, it, at the time in my life, the E39 was too technologically advanced. It had stability control, traction control, a touchscreen this. It had things I didn't, HID headlights. It was too modern from and when the, I bought this. And the E28 M5 was not modern enough. So actually, right? E28, it wasn't about me not being modern enough. For me, at the time, when I drove it in hindsight 2020, that car was never planned. The E34, the E39 was planned. The E28 was an accident. It wasn't planned. So the chassis and the engine were never designed to originally go together. And oh, when I, I drove it, it didn't feel to me at the time, hindsight 2020, that they were a match made in heaven for what I wanted. And then when I drove the E34, it felt like the perfect car for what I wanted at the time. Of course, now I disagree with my assessment on the engine and <laughs> transmission and chassis matching, of course. But hindsight. Uh, but I have no regrets. I sold it. We moved back from Minneapolis, from Portland, Oregon to Minneapolis. The Z was here. Two cars that couldn't drive in the winter. Didn't make a mm-hmm. whole lot of sense. It's a lot of money tied up in cars you can't drive in the winter. <laughs> and uh, That's true. 
And, and the reality was is that between, I mean, look how much I drove the Z last year. Between press cars and driving, <laughs> and tra- flying around for work for the world and, and going to the lake with the family. And time is, there's only so much time in the day. Yeah, that's true. Sam I mean. Smith actually is a, he is the reason I sold that car. He's the reason I re- didn't buy it again. He's a terrible good friend. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 because because he, he's that guy that says he speaks logic, and, okay. and 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 is smart. But then he'll go and drop X money on Integra R that he shouldn't be buying either. Hmm. So like, so like, you know what I mean? Like, it, he gives you the best advice, but then he does. Hey, yeah, good. do as I say, not as I do. Totally, because then he bought that. I tested him like, but seriously, and he's like, man, I'm just like, ugh. All right, so of all the cars you've ever driven and you've test-driven, how many cars do you think you've test-driven? You don't keep... Okay, I, he can't I, figure I, I it out. I kind of feel like I, I probably touch an average of 100-ish cars a year. Okay. And so I've been you, doing this for 10 years. Okay, so 100 cars a year, so that, that's a lot of cars. That's a that lot of cars. Okay. Um, so of what was the best car you've ever driven? For any purpose, let's not go, what's the best car if you have five kids? Or what's the best <laughs> truck if you want to look like your you penis You can go to Motor enormous. Authority for that. Yeah. So what is of your, uh, this is for you. Subjective. Okay? This is your, like if, if you were writing something about only what you care about, what was your favorite car that you've ever driven? You know, it's funny. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm going to give you two. Um the Hellcat and the Viper as cars in a lot of ways just speak to me. And I, I've driven Ferraris, Lamborghinis, AMGs, you name it, right? The Ferrari, the Hellcat and the, the Viper. Those two cars uh, really speak to me in a lot of ways, and they're really fun cars to write about. What, hmm. what, what, what is it about those cars? That's, why do they speak to you? What is it? I mean, so, obviously, they both have a lot of power, but it's, it's got to be more than that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's more than that. So, and, they're, and they're for different reasons, right? So the Viper, uh, the, one of the ways to speak to me is that, especially, the, and I've driven both the modern, like uh, the, right. the, the one before it died, 2013, 2014, or whatever, in 16, and, and the one before that, before they had stability and traction control and all that stuff, the one you could totally just kill yourself. Um, the one before the, the last one, I remember driving in Chicago on a street with another journalist, and we were doing Too Fast, uh, Not Too Furious. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, do you realize if anything goes wrong right now, we're going to die? Uh-huh. And he said, yes. And I just mashed the pedal and said, let's go. <laughs> but, and, 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 the, and the last one uh, that was modern and it had the, the nice seats and the rather wrapped interior and the 8.4-inch touchscreen, it was, I feel, really... It carried the Viper name, and I think the people didn't like that, but I think the people didn't give it the credit it deserved. I autocrossed that thing. I drifted it around a parking lot. I drifted it through an Do autocross. You th- hold on. I- Do you think people judge cars too much by their absolute edge peak performance mm-hmm. rather than what the car is really meant to be and what it stands for? No, you know what I, I mean? Like I, they, t- I, they take the peak performance of a car and they compare it to the next to the peak performance of this other car, but everything else kind of gets just gets lost. I think I think what you did was you morphed what I just I, what I was trying to imply is that everyone judged the, the new Viper based on the old Viper because they still had a V10, it still had a manual, still was rear wheel drive, but it's like the interior was far nicer than anyone gave it credit for and it wasn't this unmanageable thing, but you had to have some level of talent. And, and look, I'm not a race car driver. I am not a professional driver, but I've gone to driving schools. I've done a lot of time on racetracks. I've done stuff and that car was fun because it was engaging. I think that it was engaging and you had to manhandle sure. it. Mm-hmm. And the, going sideways around uh, Chelsea Proving Grounds in that car with me at the wheel 
and getting out of it and have Ralph Gilles and Andy Pilgrim compliment my driving in a car that people are terrified to drive was a high point in my job. Do you think <laughs> that there is part of it that, you know, the, the danger involved? Did you feel like you could you could conquer something with that car that if you could eventually master that car, it would, you know, make you feel better about yourself? It would help yourself to So I think the first the one you would become a man. The earlier would, one, exactly. the, the, the 2010 <laughs> one, the earlier one, the 2010 one, the one that legitimately didn't have stability control and all that. The, the, Is that the, the Gen 2? I'm trying to remember. It's the one. It's Viper the, it's, guys. It's, 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 I'm not going to start talking gens because I don't have that on top okay. of my head. I was prepared for this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but, but the one before the, 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 the latest one, the one, yeah. it took a three-year hiatus. That car, which was an evolution of the one before it, that car would, yes. If you, and I never did conquer that because I never drove it off the street. I drove that twice on the street. But the last one, I drove both on the street. I drove on a racetrack. I drove, I was driven by Andrew Pilgrim who tuned the car in an ACR around Chelsea Pilgr- uh, uh, Proving Grounds. If you didn't know what Andy Pilgrim could do and that he owned that car, you'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, what that car could do was superhero stuff at a price that was ridiculous. And mm. it was cool. And as for the Hellcat... Why did, why did Dodge dump the Viper? What happened? What? That's a really good question. Safety standards, we're going to kill it. Oh. Ah! <laughs> of course. All right. What was the worst car you've ever driven? <laughs> That's probably harder, isn't it? Not really. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, harder because there's a lot. Um, so here's the thing. Today, today, it's hard to buy a bad car. Oh, let me mm. say it this way. What's the worst car in the last five years? That's going to make it a little bit easier. Yami was pretty bad. The what? The Mitsubishi Yami. Oh. Oh, the, yeah. The they really had like 80 little miles thing. Of it looked like a golf cart. Yeah. yeah. I drove it on the highway next to a semi. Are you serious? And, oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> and, I, and so I drove, so I had like 80 miles of range or whatever. So we went to, to my aunt and uncle, my, my cousins, uh, when we were in Portland, Oregon. And I drove there. Total, and I did the map. You know, we're going to have totally mm-hmm. enough range, whatever. And I drove there totally and used a lot of EV braking and all that stuff. To, to And we were coming back, and I'm, like, looking at I'm watching the range drop. Range like, anxiety. Oh. <laughs> we pulled into the neighborhood with zero miles. Oh, no. We eat into the driveway. But when you're passing a semi, and they're both doing 70. Yeah. And you're in what is essentially an electric golf cart. Right. It's pretty <laughs> terrifying. I believe it. So that was that was not that was not my favorite car. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question. What was just the most? Just, well, there's going to be a lot of questions throughout the episode, <laughs> but um, it had just occurred to me that this is this is a different question. What was the most disappointing car you've ever driven? Mm. There's a lot of those. I actually because ones that don't meet your expectations right. of what you're told. Because you get these press releases, yep. and you get everything else. Oh, the car's supposed to be this. It, it's based on this. This blah blah blah. And you get in, and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> What's that car? <laughs> Have you ever gotten a car and said, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, or, or actually the worst is when you get a car, you're like, damn, this thing looks good. And then you get in and you start driving. You're like, damn, this thing doesn't drive good. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it was pretty disappointing. You're going to hate this. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm only, this is because it's top of my head. It just happened this winter. I had a Toyota Corolla hybrid. Okay. And it got really good gas mileage. And that's really good because that's what it's supposed to do. And it makes you wonder why you buy a Prius. I was really disappointed and actually borderline not comfortable with the suspension tuning mixed with the steering and the control of that car. Do you think it was like a, like a weight issue? Or? I think it was uh, a tune of the suspension uh, as far as the rebounding. Basically what happened was I was on the highway, 
something was in the highway. I swerved to avoid what it was in the highway, and then you swerved back. Mm-hmm. And by the time I swerved, by the time I did the second motion, the car was still rolling from the first motion, mm. which made me wonder. Which of course I didn't because not a controlled environment. But made me wonder if it was like in a slalom or something. If you went back and forth, back and forth. By the third motion, is the car out of control? Most right. most likely, which I would concerns think. me. I wonder if they didn't. they probably never did a slalom test with the Corolla. But the thing <laughs> is, you run on the highway, and there's crap in the highway all the right. time that you have to swerve to avoid. Right, yeah. lane avoidance maneuver. That's yeah. why it's a thing that they people test for. other people in Toyota Corolla hybrids. Exactly. So that, so that was disappointing <laughs> to me. Okay. All right. So uh, we're gonna do more Joel stuff on another Joel episode, but I want to get into. Uh, why don't you tell us about one of our sponsors, which is us. Yeah, before we go into the, into the main segment it's, here. Yeah, so if you go to Overcrest, I'm sorry, patreon.com slash Overcrest, you can sign up to become a Patreon member. There are three different tiers to choose from, and you will get exclusive content. You'll be able to listen to episodes that are not publicly available. I do a lot of history stories. Chris does interviews and reading from some of his work on there, and you can get some cool swag from us, T-shirts, other such stuff. But really, it comes down to supporting the creator's that you really enjoy. Right, yeah, just spend a little money. It's five bucks. It's not even a quarter of a tank of gas, and you can support. I like that. So someone was telling us, oh, that's uh, that's like a tank of gas for the entire year, right? Right, right. and, and then you like, can, oh, I like that. Yeah, and you can support the podcast. That's all it takes. It doesn't take much, and we'd really, really It means a lot to it. us. Yeah. Um, so what's our first news topic? What have we got the here? The Cannonball EV record has been broken twice within a day. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah, so it was broken. The original, um, you remember Alex Roy? Yeah. We had him on the podcast. He broke it, uh, the, the, the record that stood from like the late 70s. He broke mm-hmm. it in 2006 with his M- E39 M5. There's a book about that. Yes, there is. And he's, I, I read think he kind of, has a film, I another it. film that's there coming out. There is a out. film coming I have the book out. as well. Um, it's coming out. Yeah, so we'll, we, uh, we're going to have him back on and talk about the film. It'll be great. He's a good so, guy. The, uh, the New York to LA record in 2006 and his M5 was set at 32 hours. 51 minutes. Which is just so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So that's a moving average, by the way, of 96 miles an hour. Okay, so then that record got broken by... He also held the uh, EV record, too, for a little while. We'll get into that. But his record was broken by uh, by, uh, Mercedes. A CL. Yeah, what was was the time on that? I can't... It was 28-something. 29. uh, 28-something. It was was by Dave Black, Ed Bowling, and Dan Huang. But uh, Ed Bowling was the main shoe. He was the man behind it. He was selling Lamborghinis. Yeah, 28 hours, 50 minutes. Yep. Which is, that's... Wow. So we've got it. We're we're under 30 hours now. Here's the the EV record set by Roy Uh in a a P90D Model S. Right. was 55 hours. Okay. So that's we're still 25 hours off the pace. Well, because think how long it takes to charge that Tesla. So and the was, faster you go, the, the less efficient yeah, you are. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, you got to find that that uh, that balance. So it was broken just the other day by Robin Thompson and her parents, Lars and Betty. And I saw a picture of their little family. She looks like she's t- no way that she could actually be old enough to drive this car. She's very young. Yeah, who is this? She's very, very young, and she's got her family. They did it in 48 hours and 10 minutes. With 19 supercharger stops, and according to the family, the Tesla's autopilot advanced driver assistance system helped reduce the feet, the fatigue normally associated with long runs. And that record stood for one day. <laughs> Kyle Connor of Out of Spec and co-driver Matthew Davis took their own Tesla Model 3 from New York to Los Angeles in just 45 hours and 16 minutes. They did not use the autopilot, which is probably 
why they won, right? They they were going oh. for speed, and they also had the long range rear wheel drive variant of the car, which Interesting. is probably the most efficient. Um, and I was trying to think if this makes me mad or not that these you know the people are chasing these records, and I decided no. As long as people are still chasing records, having a good time, and pushing the envelope yeah. in transportation, right? I'm down. I'm good with it. So this family that did it in the 48 hours, the record that stood for one day, yeah. were they even? did they even need to break the speed limit then? I, I honestly have no idea. You know what I mean? Could you imagine being them? They're like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's terrible. So I looked up some of the other. I was like, well, how long would it take to do it in some of these other cars? But they okay. back in the day in 1909, they did an ocean-to-ocean race. Hat tip to the future history episode that you should do on this. No like, kidding. The ocean-to-ocean race of 1909 took a Model T 23 days. Wow. Imagine what your butt would feel like after 23 wow. days in a Model T. Imagine probably. having 23 days to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, I mean, that would have been cutting edge. I mean, I, I th- yeah. would think you'd have to be a fairly wealthy dude that's just out there like, oh, I'm going to go take my so, Model T. keep in mind, too, in 1909, there was no interstate system. We did a history story on the interstate system of the U.S. Uh, in 1909, there was barely a road system. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you met last week, I think it was that we mentioned that the the Netflix show for F one right is coming, yeah, which is which was awesome. And I yeah, it's like a documentary. And I complained about why I, I wasn't really interested in seeing the new, or the or I'm sorry, the 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 new one with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and Ferrari. I actually right. liked that they were left out, and we got to focus on the on the the, the middle set, of the, the pack, middle of the right? pack. Yeah. So, but here's the thing: um, Netflix was gr- granted access to Mercedes for one race. The German Grand Prix, and they were celebrating a 200th Grand Prix anniversary. They even had a one-off livery. It was all set to be amazing, but Mercedes blew it. Oh, no. Yeah, Botas went off and uh, had lunch with the wall. Hamilton finished poorly, spinning twice. So he says, quote, I won't be in the Netflix show much because I was sick the whole time. I won't allow them to release that. What? Right. As far as I could tell, Hamilton, as usual, when things don't go his way, he cries about everything. He's a, he's a total baby. Um, he said he spent two, he spent much of the uh, it's known that he spent much of the latter half of the race complaining about his tires and blaming the team for his track position. After his second spin, he asked for the team to retire his car. Classy. Yeah. So I I, I don't think he was sick. I no. think he was an asshole in the garage and in the pits. I mean, I watched that show. I mean, I'm assuming based on this, you watched that show. Yep. Did you watch the first season? No, I didn't. So I watched the first season of that, and, and I agree with you. At first, I was frustrated that they didn't have Ferrari Mercedes because I wanted a holistic view. Yep. Mm-hmm. But as I started watching it, and each episode focused on, for those that haven't watched, each episode of the show focused on a different team. and But they interchanged throughout because it's F1. Uh, I appreciated that we saw all the inside of the teams that weren't the leaders of Ferrari and Mercedes. Yep. Because we then, never really get to see them throughout exactly. the season. Yeah, but and otherwise then, but, they probably just would have been whatever the, you know the top two, three teams are. Right, but 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 what I realized through that is is that you really did see, and I'm sure we saw bits, right? But you really did see the good, the bad, and the ugly. They were not always the best moments during that show. Yep. There were bad moments and bad lights on people mm. at their worst and at their best. But I don't mind that. I that is racing. Good. I think it's, it's the real. drama. Exactly. Of- so uh, the fact that it bothers me, it, I was excited that Mercedes and, and Ferrari were going to come in because now that they set the stage for the last one. It was going to be a holistic thing that was include this step in the world this time, right? And so, because they weren't going to change the formula, it's going to get one episode per, per manufacturer. Right. But when re- I saw this on Monday or whatever day this all broke, and it was like, of course. Of course. Like, come on, man. Like, you're on the show. 
if you're going to do the show, do it like everyone else. The good, the bad, the ugly right. is what it is. This is racing. The fans aren't exactly. going to like Lewis Hamilton less because he was frustrated that he was having a bad day at the track. Everyone has a bad day. Everybody has a bad and day. And it's not a fun bad day. And everybody likes to pick on Lewis Hamilton, which is fine, but be, he's kind of a jerk. And now I really want to see the episode of him crying like a baby in the garage, which I didn't really want right. to before. I would. I just right. wouldn't, wouldn't have thought about it, but now I really want to. The fact want, that he doesn't want to I really want. I really want to see him suffer. All right, so the HLDI, which stands for... That stands for the Highway Loss Data Institute. Which is part of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, otherwise known as the IIHS, has revealed the most stolen vehicles list. Now, I... Oh, the loss data division. That yeah, makes so sense is, now. Yeah, basically, this is uh, if you file the claim right. for yep. a loss or whatever. Um, why? So when you look at this list, what yep. do you notice, guys? Well, the uh, first two are the, <laughs> the, first, the first two are, are the same kind of car. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's uh, these are all basically V8 hot rods. Yeah. Or trucks. I, actually, uh, Nissan Max. Every single car on here except for one either has or can be had with a V8. So the first one is the Charger Hemi, and then mm -hmm. it's the SRT Hellcat, and there's a bunch of Infinities no one cares about. And then later <laughs> on is the Dodge Challenger, Silverado, Chrysler 300, Mercedes Benz, Dodge Charger, Durant. Lots of Dodge on here. Yeah, Lots I'm noticing so that. So there's a very, very high uh, crime rate and steal rate with uh, Dodges in uh, Detroit. What's the deal? Where are these cars going? So chop shops. Uh, there was a huge story actually. Aren't these? Don't these? Are these number matching? Do they have VIN numbers or etching on any of these engine blocks? Or are sure. they just so? Look, I I don't know the whole story. Uh, I'm not an expert on this, but I do know someone I can connect you with. Josh Welton, uh, who's Brown Dog Welding on Instagram. He's friends of mine. He's in Detroit. He's a welder, uh, but he's written for Jalopnik, written Trek, and all that stuff. Uh, and he has had he had his Hellcat stolen and stripped down. He had a press car Hellcat stolen and stripped down. <laughs> and he went and, and and started investigating like the corruption with the cops. Like there's a whole ring of this stuff going on. Really? Corruption with the cops, even. So I don't know the whole story. That's why I don't want to like get quoted on it. But I mean, there's like a whole issue with this. So the the fact that he's topped the list, at least. Due to the propensity of this in, in Detroit, this doesn't surprise me. So what's the, what's the process? You Are, you steal one of these, you strip it down, you take out the engine. You ship everything. I mean, I saw his car. Then what? Does it just go Do on you eBay? sell it for parts? So though? I saw his car in the junkyard. I mean, it literally was stripped down, dude. So where does like, this the stuff go? The was gutted. eBay? Craigslist? Where, where are these parts going? Probably. Or is it just for scrap? I no, 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 no way. They're getting dumped into that car. If you were doing that, you'd steal Chrysler minivans or something. You buy a V6 hell, a Charger, you slap a Hellcat engine in, and off it goes into a used car lot or your buddy. Mm. But can that be happening that much? That's that what I don't get. In Detroit, it's happening a lot. Yeah, so but there's who's just buying? Like, there's news articles about this. Who's right. buying these cars, though, that have all know. these Hemi swapped? I don't know. Okay. The interesting thing, the, so on this list, the one that caught my eye yeah, is Mercedes-Benz S-Class. How do you steal a Mercedes Benz? Or look yeah, a little further down, the Audi A7 too. A lot of these cars just get dragged. They've got their emergency brake on. They're in park. Do whatever. you think so? They just get dragged onto a flatbed, and they just they're just gone. But, but still, you need a, a a coded key that's electronic for that. Like it's not that the you've watched Gone in sixty seconds. It's not that hard. It's not that easy, man. <laughs> and then you lose your keys because and the, then dog the dog ate, ate it. Some. <laughs> you've seen the script of this. Uh, that's why Eleanor was the best car. You didn't need so, it. So hold on oh, though. God, With Eleanor. all the Dodges on there, are they easier to steal? Is this is this the Honda Civic from I, the nineties? Well, none of those other cars have seven hundred horsepower either. There's also that, and right. those engines are worth money. Yeah. All right. So um, more regulation news coming out of the European Union. 
they're going to be making cars even boringer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Boringer. Boringer. I, I'm going to use that made-up word just because it sounds it better. Fits. So Mercedes-AMG has warned its incoming generation of new sports cars, has warned its incoming generation of new sports cars will be noticeably quieter than in the past due to tightening European sound restrictions. The head of product planning for Mercedes-AMG, Bastian Bogenschutz, mm. said all markets, including Australia would, be, Australia, would be affected by the legislative changes. It's coming from the European regulations, Bogenschutz says. We can design specific exhausts, but it's too expensive for every market to do. It's pretty difficult. So basically what he's saying is, we they could, have to get. The, we don't have that regulation, but they're not going to make a special exhaust just so it's louder in the United States. Exactly. Right. So, but this it's is actually interesting. You should say that because there are a few cars that are that way, like the McLaren Senna. The McLaren Senna has a different exhaust setup for the U.S. than does the Europe. That is extremely boutique. I'm right. just saying that makes <laughs> sense. So, uh, this is basically going to happen to BMW, Porsche, Audi, anything manufactured in Europe yeah, is going to be right. well. It's. To your point, though, maybe the higher end you go up there, Porsche might find it profitable to actually make a different exhaust system or a different exhaust tuning because they all have the you know or different like, even money right alongside the fact else. that you can pay for painted badges or not painted badges or different right. seat belts. You can pay for a louder exhaust. There do you, you know go. they offer a Mail 4C? You pay for them to make your exhaust louder. Do you know what you pay them to do? Remove your mufflers. <laughs> you pay them <laughs> mm -hmm. to not put mufflers on your car. That's not something new. So broadly, awesome. though, broadly though. You're going to be able to enjoy your quiet, speed-limited sports car in Europe. Mm -hmm. So in a few years, you're not going to... Enjoy is a weird word for that. Well, this is sarcasm, He's, of course. Oh, okay. I'm just making so sure. You Are you not picking up on that? <laughs> you're going to be driving your car that is limited to the speed that's posted, right. and, and it's not going to be able to be loud. I still... Why would you buy an AMG or a 911? Well, why? at that point... Well, because why? it has more horsepower in the badge than the guy next to you, dude. True. Come on. I, I don't know You spent that. more money than Jake, and so he knows it, so that means you're a better person than him. You know who <laughs> this is good news for, though? Dodge? Exhaust <laughs> manufacturers. Aftermarket. Uh, I don't know. I don't, you don't think so? How many modern AMGs or BMW... Well, BMW's got acrophobic or whatever that's called. But Crow how many... Yeah, whatever. Carbon fiber tips with titanium, whatever's. Mm -hmm. um, bro. Uh, how many AMGs do you see with, with aftermarket exhaust these days? Really? Truly? It, none. Exactly. No, none. It's very, none. very small. because The only one I see is BMW and, and a few Audis. Uh, yeah. Porsche guys do it too. That's, I, it's not boutique, but I just count that as a whole different thing because we're talking about like luxury cars. Agreed. Okay. I mean, we're, we're straight up talking about... Chris, why doesn't your AMG have exhaust on it? Because it has an AMG exhaust and it sounds great. You know, someone asked me once why I didn't change out my exhaust on my M5 and I looked at them and I was like, what? Why would I do that? To make it louder. It has ITBs. It wasn't quiet. See, that's all that. You know, that's another oh, thing I've been meaning to talk noise. about is last night yeah. I was driving. You're driving home from our little meet, our I, get together. Yeah, the get together here at the at the brewery across the street. And I and I, this car emerges in front of me and it's kind of bouncing a little bit. It was really like this stiff car. And I look at the license plate and it just oh, says. I saw this on your Instagram. Yeah, it just says 86 Levin. And I'm like. What? No way. So then I took it. A86. It was in a right-hand drive, A86, which clearly has individual throttle bodies. Dude, it sounded, I sound. heard it on your Instagram. It sounded yeah. good. I flipped out because I, I just had my phone out videoing him driving by. So I'm totally Whoa! safe, by the way. Yep. It was late. There's no one around but me and him. And uh, it, the sound that it made was amazing. But you know what the problem is? My car makes no induction noise right. whatsoever. 
None. See, that was so my my E thirty four and five had a first generation uh, version of a dual intake plenum because the plenum had valves in it and it would open at about 3,300 RPM. Right, and it, you hear this whoosh of air, and then ITBs would open, and it was like, wah, wah, and like oh, so good. It's my car. My 911 has induction noise. It does. Yeah, yeah. It, it certainly does. I wish mine did. Too bad induction noise doesn't come with horsepower. Necessarily. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. So I picked this cool story up off of Motor 30. Um, it's this guy that just will not stop driving his Model T. Okay. Which, which is great. So Randall Pittman has owned his 1927 Model T pickup for 70 years, and he still drives it to this day, starting wow. it with a hand crank every time. How many it's, times has he broken his wrist? I... Aren't those notorious for kicking back? I don't think those I've have enough. I've honestly never tried to start them out. Those probably don't have enough compression to kick back. I don't think it's very... Oh. I think they have three cylinders? Yeah, they're not... I don't know that they're serious They're not that big to, of engine, dude. That yeah. was a thing, though, with hand crank starts. Yeah, with bigger kick, engines. Yeah, with, okay. like, the inline Remember, Model like T, that. first car, assembly line, Henry Ford. Yeah, four and a half yeah, I, I'm aware. So Pittman said he would travel 373 miles to a show from his home. However, he planned to transport the Model T on a flatbed to make sure none of the hardest source parts would break. Hmm. Pittman claimed it's not the truck can't make it. He simply just doesn't want to chance it. Like so many cars and still in the hands of original owners, Pittman's story is one of our hard work and passion. He told the broadcast company that he saved up for the Model T pickup while working at a gas station. He knew the truck was heading to auction soon, and while making 10 cents an hour, he brought $50 worth of savings to the auction house. Wow. There, he bid $45 for the Model T pickup, then outbid himself to land on the final sale price of $47.50. That was $19.49, and he's been driving it ever since. Wait, did he accidentally outbid himself? No, I'm sure somebody <laughs> probably just bid, and then he oh, okay. just bid. Either that or he's like, I really, really just want to make sure I get it. <laughs> I, know. I got 50 bucks. How much is the buyer's premium? Yeah, exactly. So I, I just love that story of that man. It reminded he's me of, 87. It reminded me way. of Lloyd. You know, this guy's yep. got to be a little bit like Lloyd. For sure. Yeah. See, I this is the kind of stuff, when I saw it, right? I mean, CNBC first reported it. This is the kind of stuff I love covering, though. Like, it's, it's, mm. it's not just a feel-good story. Like... This is what you're talking about. Like, this is what it's about. This is about the passion of, of automobiles. And, like, the new cars don't have that. No, they, they certainly don't. Nobody's going to be driving their Tesla Model 3 in however many years? 70. 70 years? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I still drive this thing, I, even though the, the battery... Touch, and the touchscreen is still great. Like, I mean, it's... Just, <laughs> 97% of the pixels are burned out, but I can... <laughs> I can still find ludicrous it, it mode if I like touch here It has like a range of like 10 miles now. Yeah, the batteries are toast. All right, so what happened with Nissan? Do we know? Because I've gotten yeah. some reports They that, didn't make a lot of money. Why? Yeah. No, I know we don't know like all the details, but um, so they lost, they, they're cutting 12,500 jobs and they're going to cut a bunch of models. So why? What happened with Nissan that they just couldn't get their shit together and they're just, what's, what's the deal? They really lost a lot of money. Why? Why aren't they Were selling people cars? Buying cars? I. You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. We didn't cover this story. I, I saw it. I read it. I don't. This is more like broadly arching, though. Like, why is Nissan not selling cars? Do you think? Well, so you've got a mix of things, right? Uh, you've got the enthusiast models, which are aging. GTR is not new. 370Z is over 10 years old. That's my thing. And then, well, but they don't make a lot of money. They no, but it's the flagship of your brand. Right. And the flagship so, of so your brand is aging. They don't make a lot of money. And then the cars that are your volume cars. The Pathfinder, which is a full-size crossover SUV. And then you've got your Murano, mid-size crossover SUV, which is the heart of the market. The Rogue. These cars, 
they're priced right, but the reason they're priced right is to cut at the soft underbelly because they're really not compelling. Whether and, and mm-hmm. you pick your reason, right? Like they're all safety pass safety tests, but they're not the most fuel efficient vehicles in their class. They're not the most technological vehicles in their class. They are really comfortable, actually. Their front seats are really comfortable in all three. Um, but there's not a huge compelling reason why they're the class leader in X, except for the uh, Rogue, which has the new high, uh, driver assist feature ProPilot, which is a really advanced driver assist feature, and it's pretty good in the class. But that alone isn't the only reason to buy a vehicle. They're not class leading is the problem. And so, the competition is really new, and these vehicles aren't. The Pathfinder is old now. Everybody the Murano's is, old. Everything's moving really, really, really fast. That. Right everyone's now. model cycles have been pulled up a lot. And they've mm-hmm. just, they're just dragging their feet. And I just, I can't understand how a, a ton a, of their stuff. A company like this, oh, how really? do they, oh, yeah. how do they do this? Now, here's the question. Are they going to, do you think that the Murano convertible will that, never happen again? That's what needs to happen to save them, Joel. Uh, I do not think it's coming back. <laughs> Come on. So what do you, what models are they going to get rid of? You think? Uh, the Maxima. I so this is just me guessing, right? I would bet you Maxima's on the chopping block. Uh, I really don't want to believe 300, uh, 350, 370Z is. I don't know though. Um, I would say. What are their trucks? Titan, but that's really only U.S. It's not built anywhere else. It's not no? sold really anywhere okay. else. And and really, they they made huge strides in the truck sales. But mm-hmm. if you have a really small percentage of sales, any percentage of sales is yeah. a lot of sales. <laughs> right. Um, but the trucks are actually, look, the Detroit 3 know how to build a truck. If there's anything in America right. we know how to build, it's a freaking truck. Right. Um, but the Titan has a compelling argument. There is a compelling argument. Whereas I said that the Pathfinder isn't a compelling argument unless it's a value. Um, the truck, there are certain things about that truck that are compelling, for I would say a small buyer case, and it's not, but that's not going to save the brand. That's not going to save the no. brand. Look, the, the Nissan Leaf hedged a lot of bets. They were dump, jumping oh, into electrification. About the Leaf. And they, they were they were too early. They well, well, the problem is, is that it's. I don't think it was too early. I think that they didn't jump far enough after it. They sat on it. Yeah. It took too long for the second generation. The second generation Leaf is kind of like Leaf one point five. It's really not two point oh. Does this and make? The, does a, all this make refresh. you sad? Yes. I mean, Very as, sad. as a Nissan fan, I mean, you must be. I grew up in a well before. So, better history. Chrysler, Imperials, and stuff. Then they went to Maximas, Nissan, Datsuns. Then they went to German, Mercedes, and Audi. So, and that's so that's my family progression through vehicles: yep. grandparents, uncles, aunts, parents. <laughs> um, Everyone just follows. So, suit so there was in a family. huge part of my family that, at a period in time, was Nissan Datsun. My mm-hmm. mom, when I was born in '86, bought the last rear-wheel drive generation Maxima, blue on blue, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, my dad had a 280Z. My uncles both had Zs. It, yeah, it makes me sad. I'd like to see them put money into Zs. I'd like them see. Here's I'd like the, to see competitive products. They don't. It's not going to happen now. They're it's now I they think, don't have the resources. I think to it do started that. like this: uh, chicken, chicken before the egg, or the egg before the chicken thing, right? Right. So you have they came out with a bunch of cars, the Z cars, and they came out the Skyline, and things looked good for them at the time. And then they didn't update them. They lost sales. So then they didn't have any money to update the cars. So mm-hmm. they lost sales. So they didn't have any money to update the cars. So they lost sales. And now here they are cutting 12,500 jobs. And they're going to cut a bunch of models, probably mostly cars, just like everybody else is doing. Right. And they're going to just go lean and, tr- and struggle the, the, to stay. Look, so problem, our, our Skyline update, who knows when that's actually going to happen now. The problem is, and, and there's some people in the comments, and some of them are journalists, and I know them. The reality is this. It's really simple. If you have a product lineup and your competition is going really fast and you're not, your sales won't be there. Right. 
You need a compelling product at a compelling price in today's market. And if you don't have that, you can't just offer a cheap car. It doesn't work. And by the way, they're fleeting a lot of their stuff. Uh, the Sentra, Versa, Rogue, uh, the, they no longer make the Well, you can only sell so many cars to Oh, Enterprise. is that profitable that, to also, do that? So it is in the short term, but the long run, it screws you because it destroys your resale value because when they dump out of the fleets, you flood the market with all these used mm. cars. And so it destroys the resale value on your cars. All right. So next is, we've got some bad, I've got bad news for you guys. What? The Chevy Malibu. Is dead. Oh, we're cutting the next the next segment. Yeah, we're just gonna skip it. Oh, it's uh, really bad. I, I would actually almost say. So you want you want to talk about that? I'd one? rather talk about that than Malibu. Okay, so well, I, the, the, the <laughs> Malibu, whole, we'll by the way, I sorry, there's sorry, no official Malibu. on the Malibu, and their rumor is 2024. So we got time. Hold on, well, well, I'm using that to transition to something else. But um, so what you want to talk though is Volkswagen's cutting their warranty, and I have a theory on this. Okay, you have a theory, but okay. hang on, I, here's what I want to introduce this with. Hey guys, we screwed up on emissions and we cheated and we got fined and we really, really had to almost sell brands like Lamborghini. You talked about Ducati, and so we're gonna really do a home on our warranty and make people believe in us again. Yeah. Oh, this is costing us a shit ton of money. Screw it. Let's chop our warranty back. <laughs> they looks at notes. That's a bad idea. After <laughs> after following Volkswagen for ever, because I was, I mean, I've owned Volkswagens my whole driving life. You have. Uh, I think it was when they had Mark IVs or early Mark Vs. It was five years, sixty thousand mile warranty, mm -hmm. or a five year, fifty thousand mile warranty. It was good, and then it went back to something worse. It went to three years, thirty, and then it went back up again to, to mm -hmm. five years, fifty. Three year, thirty six. By the way, is kind of average. -ish. Right. So they go back and forth and back and forth, and I think that they just they go they do a huge warranty for marketing purposes, and then they reel it back. They did, and a then huge again, they're going to do after Dieselgate. They need to instill confidence, and they need to give you. Dude, when someone called me and said, "I'm looking at Tiguan," I'm like. Dude, it's a great car. P.S. It has a shit ton of warranty on it. You should buy that car, the new Tiguan. The new Tiguan, it's a great car. But it's not. But for America, not you, Chris. <laughs> but the problem is, is that now it's like, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's great about it? They well, just here's the warranty. problem is that their, their cars are not reliable right now, which is mm -hmm. a huge issue. Hang on, hang on. You just said now. I'd like to hear a point when Volkswagen cars were known for reliability. <laughs> 90s. 90s, the Mark IVs were waiting, also I'm reliable. Still wait, I'm still waiting to hear when Volkswagen and Audi bag products were known for reliability. No, but they were yeah. fairly reliable. I mean, well, relatively reliable. I feel like reliable. I can't take you seriously right now. I'm relatively, I'm because, talking, Joel, you're right. Right. They've never been reliable. Okay. I'm talking in context of what they were. Yeah. Now, so you're relatively talking about the, speaking. So in the world of VAG, a Volkswagen auto group, in the 90s, they were reliable in that vacuum. Okay. <laughs> compared to there. themselves Com earlier. Compared to like the 2000s. Okay, sure, fine. I'll buy that. Okay, so the cars that are being made now in the last 10 years or so are all direct injection, right. turbo, high compression. Plastic everything. Plastic everything. They're all unreliable. The, the, the timing chains fail. They stretch. The guides fail. The fuel pumps fail. The camshafts fail. Sending motor throughout the whole motor. They're having huge reliability issues. And what I mean is in contrast to, say, like a 2002 Volkswagen Golf 180, which is a decently reliable car if you just change the timing belt. I was going to say, except for that timing belt. For, that. But that's, Didn't they have sludge issues? Not no, back then. Not those. No. no, not back then. Just wait. They come out. <laughs> yeah, that's the, when well, they that, were new. They didn't Joel. Well, yeah, that's what give I'm it saying. Twenty thousand years. As soon as they transitioned to all over this new direct injection stuff, is when everything went to shit and all got unreliable. So I'm sure that this warranty thing just cost them a ton of. That's money. it. It's True. a cost cutting measure. It's a yeah. thousand percent a cost cutting measure. Not a hundred percent. It's a thousand percent. All right. Well, we'll see what they do. I'm so hold on. They'll bounce back. The thing is, they have a ton of money. Volkswagen's enormous. They have tons of money. I don't know if you know this, but they just got fined a ton. In fact, Audi CEO just went to jail. 
ex-CEO. I can't keep track of how many Volkswagen people are going to jail. A lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it happens when you try to like cheat the system and then gas monkeys. And gas people. I wasn't going... The, they're Germans. I'm Jewish. Yeah, I wasn't going to go down that road. Or monkeys. Well, you know, the poor monkeys. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, the, the, Malibu's, Malibu's, the Malibu. Malibu's dead. Uh, so hang on. Hang on. That was not confirmed. The, the word on the street is the Malibu's dying I don't in 2024. Care. I don't care that the Malibu's actually dead. But, but, it's, why, but it's an iconic it brand, Chris. My thing is, is that no one cares about the Malibu. Fine. But what cars do you wish were going to be dead by 2020, 2024? 85% of the crossover SUVs. I was going to say all, <laughs> yeah. all no, crossovers. No, there are a few good. There are a few. I could go without the crossovers. There are a few. Just as a Hang thing. On. Few yeah. of them are legitimately lifted hatchbacks. We need to get rid of all of them. That way people forget that they want them and then... Yeah, but then there's no cars left on the market, so <laughs> everybody's driving. Yeah, everybody F- wants. I do. Everybody's driving an F one fifty. All right, so Dodge knows what's up. Uh, motor, yeah. motor Authority story. Anyone considering a Dodge Challenger, Charger, or Durango has one more reason to pull the trigger: cash on the hood. Dodge on Thursday announced a cash incentive program that ups the dollar figure the higher up the horsepower ladder you go. The program, which applies to all 2019 Challenger, Charger, and Durango models ordered from August 1st, provides buyers with $10 for every horsepower their intended purchase produces. That's awesome! So basically... (laughs) Wait, wait! The the more horsepower, the more money off! Dodge calls them power dollars. Yes! Down with this. Yeah, so for example, opt for the 797 horsepower Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye, and you'll get a cash allowance of $7,970 towards your purchase. At the other end of the spectrum is the 305 horsepower Challenger, which nets you three grand. Um, they said, Dodge has more horsepower than anyone else, and we want to share it and give those who have always wanted more the ability to get more. Tim Kuniskis, head of passenger cars at blah, 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 said in a statement. That's so real- a cool promo. So actually. realistically, I mean, everybody does cash back. This is just a really cool way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just power dollars. I, I like power, power dollars. dollars. I like that. Um, not to be the party pooper, right? Um, oh, come on, man. Hang on. I oh. like the power dollars, but hang on. Like you said, key point. Everyone does cash on the hood. Right. But Chevy this is- Silverado at Ford F-150, you can get cash on the hood on these cars, right? This is a great marketing thing. If someone went to business marketing school, this is a great marketing thing. The other thing I'll say is the more cars they sell with all these high horsepower, the more money they have to spend to go and buy credits from Tesla. Oh. oh. Uh, remember because these aren't very fuel efficient yeah vehicles. carbon credits yeah mm. what is the what's the extra or these get gas guzzler tax oh right? yeah what's, what is how much does that cost on Ranges, a, it depends on the car it depends okay. on hellcat's different than like you know just a five seven right well what's a hellcat cost do we have any idea just thousand thousand bucks whatever on an eighty thousand dollar car that's not that big of a deal remember you're going to get like 13 miles well you can <laughs> use your power bucks for that <laughs> power right. bucks baby pressman auto which is a ford dealership Wants okay. you, they want you to vape. What? Uh, so Pressman Auto wants you to vape. Having Just a Ford Focus RS for sale on the lot isn't that unusual, but Pressman's offer is. On the car's listing, the dealer advertises a free vape with the car purchase. No! <laughs> when asked if the ad were true, they said, yes, there is a vape included in the purchase of the RS. We have a vape store next to our dealership that the buyer can go to and pick out a vape. Is that a, the proper way to say it? I don't think so. I don't. I think this is someone who has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> we did that because most of the potential vi- buyers for that car come in with vape in hand. <laughs> <laughs> From the website, oh. at Pressman Auto, we are the nation's leader in selling branded title vehicles. That means totaled, right? 
That means salvage title. Yeah, yeah. They were totaled okay. out the insurance company and then someone bought it. Yep. So we pioneered this industry beginning in 1989 have remained the longest standing dealer in Utah that sells branded title vehicles. I feel like that's something to be proud of. I don't no. think so either. I, but maybe that explains should, their clientele with everyone coming in vape in hand. Yeah, you know? well, maybe you should be asking for a Carfax instead of a vape pen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was trying to think, and I couldn't think of too many because you guys all got here, and I, I was trying some. to figure out. Okay, so I was thinking of other cars that um, something that should be given away for free with the car. So gotcha. I was thinking uh, Mazda Miata, you should get a propane Weber grill. <laughs> With your, with your I, Miata. I, by the way, I like the, the two that you clearly want to talk about. You blacked out so we couldn't see. Yes. Yeah, oh that, my goodness, that's incredible. And the Nissan Murano convertible. Which yeah. is no longer sold. Which Cross is no longer sold. I don't care. Should come with a Harley Sportster. Hey, now. Hey. <laughs> wow. Chris. Hang on. Uh, didn't you just buy one of those? I did just buy a okay. Sportster. Hey, Joel, how many miles did you put on your Z so far this year? 380-some? I put that on in the last five days on my Sportster. As you walked in here... It was here, my uncle's car. He was growling and grumbling when he walked in there. Your face was well, all smushed and hot and red. Sucked. And, yeah, uh-huh. But it's fun, Chris. Um, so sucked, what's, but it's fun. You know what it was? If you haven't uh, listened to our history story about uh, the history of the motorcycle, that's kind of what inspired me and pushed me over the edge, to be honest. I understand. I, I just... I don't really... So what about them, uh, Dodge Hellcat? What should come with that, Chris? Tires. Just obviously, you should just get an extra set of tires. What about gas cars? Gas, gas cars, cards, yeah, gas cars, power bucks. I'll take, I'll take the tires. I think I'd probably go through those. Tesla almost. Model Three. I think this is a good one. Uh, comes with an electrician to rewire your house, <laughs> right, for your charger. I like <laughs> so that. You could actually, charge in all the honesty, so you can charge it and use a hair dryer or a microwave. Because well, otherwise, you can't. <laughs> the, the Nissan Murano convertible, the Cross Cabriolet, should come with a straw hat, though. I will say that. I'm done with that. Or I, sunscreen. This, yeah. The Super Outback is on the list, and I gotta tell you what you wrote here. I disagree with. What? I said hugs. Depends which model. Hugs and also a vape thingy. No, it should totally come with hiking boots and a camelback. If it's an Outback. It says Subaru Outback. It says the right list. there on Outback oh. on the list. Well, then that's not a You're vape. Right. It should come with a, not a hiking boots then. and a camelback. Right. And, and a rainbow flag, probably. That's actually just a Midwest thing I've heard. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I heard a rumor. I don't even think it's a Midwest thing. I think it's just a stereotype. I think yeah, the stereotype only exists in the Midwest. But it, I don't think it's true. Like, if you look at demographics mm. anymore. Well, anymore. That, it did for a. We'll have to look into chunk. it. We'll, we'll look into it here. What about Toyota Prius? What do you guys think that should come with? Mm. Bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Political yard signs. Yeah, yeah. Political yeah. yard signs. A voter oh. registration card. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, guys, that's it. Hold on. Oh, wait. No, 9 11. You left this one blank. I yeah. couldn't think of anything. What? <laughs> I feel like it should be an options list. <laughs> we got which one? What do you mean? An no, options like options list, list to well, check off when you're bored. You need your it card. comes with a pen because you're gonna run out of ink with your option list. How about that? There you go. That hey, works. I have one last one because you text me about it. Okay, Corvette. What is, what is a Corvette? Come Golf with? bag, pinky ring, and gold chains. <laughs> pinky ring? And yeah. A, and a jacket and a Corvette jacket. Yes. It's Ooh, and the mast antenna for your for your radio. Do you think there's anybody out there burning their Corvette jackets? Like that? You see all the sports there guys. Like one. they're 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 <laughs> there like might be one. there's guys that throw their jersey and they burn them when they're when their sports yeah. favorite sports guy does something they don't want to do. There's a guy burning his Corvette jacket. It's possible. It's 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 certainly possible. All right, we'll see you guys on Friday. Please head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Hope you guys enjoyed the live stream. We'll do this as much as we can. I spent the last couple of days figured out, so it actually went the whole thing actually streamed, which has been yeah. rare for Kudos us. Kudos to you, Chris. I yeah. really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys on Friday. I'll edit that Bob Garrettson episode, which is a, 
a fantastic interview with uh, with Bob. He used to race 935s, and uh, it's just a killer interview with some really killer stories about Le Mans and everything else. You know, Can't I, wait. You know I'm into that stuff. Joel, thanks for coming in. Guys, head over to MotorAuthority.com for all your Motor Authority or motoring news. Um, it's no fluff over there. You just want the news. You want good quality reviews. That's where you want to go. Just, you know, those guys will take care of you over there. Take, take care. See you Friday.